Thank you for joining us today for the Gospel Light Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Lenentine. We are a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, gospel-centered church family located in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. We are motivated to love God, grow together, and serve others. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. Now we hope you enjoy today's message from Pastor Brent Lenentine. Luke chapter 15. We are starting, as you'd heard, this series on the prodigal. Certainly one of the great chapters in the Bible that has really been helpful to so many people from the time of the New Testament all the way forward. Because it is a reality of life. It's just something that we can get into as frail and sinful people just in this sin-cursed body. We can find ourselves uh, getting into um, these, uh, getting away from God and drifting away from God. And so we need truths like this as we look into the Word of God. And so we want to challenge you, if you would, just to really have your heart open. There will be five weeks in all. We're going to be in Luke chapter number 15. 15. The, the main verse that we'll emphasize is that verse there in verse 17. But for all that are able to, if you would stand, we're going to start reading where this parable begins in verse number 11. So in Luke 15 in verse number 11, it says, and he, and he said, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks so he had, got, he had, had uh, descended, if you would, down to this point where this was daily reality for him, that he'd filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread and enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Now, this story goes on. This parable goes on to verse number 32. Way too much to be able to cover in any one message. And we'll not attempt to do that because we want to really kind of focus in on kind of some individual truths that I think are very vital here in this parable of the prodigal son. But I want us to look again, as you'll see on the screen there in verse number 17. Let's just read the first part of this. And I want us to read this together. You ready? And when he, what now? came to himself, okay? In verse number 17, and when he came to himself. Let's pray. The Heavenly Father, we want to come to you and thank you so much for your grace and your goodness. And Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts. Pray that you teach us now something from this. This morning we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Maybe seated there and you have your Bibles open in front of you. We would say, as you see it on the screen, uh, an aha moment. Certainly the prodigal son here at this point had an aha moment and we would Hope and pray that for most of us here this morning now also. So this parable, as we said, has touched the lives 
of so many people because in this incursed world, it's all too easy to get away from God, and maybe even far away from God. Part of the truth that I want us, or part of the reason I want us to understand this is because that we've come now through this time of COVID. During the time, people were out of church for many, many weeks. But yet more than that, there are some people now coming on a year and a half that have not been in church ever since that time back in February or March of 2020. And they've not been in church all of that time coming forward. Others, as they've started to come back, uh, what's happened, though we would not want to admit this necessarily, what's happened is, is that we have slipped some. We've drifted some away from God. There are many whose hearts are just a little bit colder than where they were before. Let me give you quickly some stories. Years ago, my wife and I was there in northeast Atlanta and uh, was helping Reggie Baxley, his family, to start a church uh, in Lawrenceville and Duluth area. Uh, so he and I, Brother Reggie Baxley and myself, were out soul winning uh, in a trailer park. We were going through the trailer park just from one to the other. It was kind of funny because we approached this one trailer. And as we were coming up to it, we could see a car parked in the front. It was raised a little bit just on some boards. And there were two feet sticking out from underneath the car. And so I thought, well, let me check this out. So I go over and I kneel down. And I said, what you doing under there? Uh, and it took a minute now. And this guy shimmied and got himself out from there. It was Tommy Ross. He sat up and he had a hatchet in his hand. He said, I'm changing the oil in my car. I said to him, wrong tool. He said, I know, but I don't have the right tool. Amen. So apparently he was taking the hatchet and driving it through the outside of the uh, filter and then trying to turn the thing in order to get it off with that hatchet. So we talked to him and you could tell that he was very receptive. His wife wasn't there, but they were very interested in hearing the message of the gospel and that. So my wife and I, that was on a Thursday, my wife and I went back on Saturday and sat down with both of them in their living room and talked to them at great length. They were very tender-hearted, very hungry-hearted, and both of them joyfully received Jesus Christ as their Savior. What we didn't know until sometime afterwards was that they had actually agreed together uh, just recently that she was going to leave the very next week. She was going to move her stuff back to her mother's, they were going to separate, and then they were going to get divorced. But God made a glorious transformation in their life. From that very next Sunday, they get into church and just came, not only week by week, but every service, one service after another after another. And they grew so very much in the Lord. Uh, he surrendered to preach, went to a Bible college. I had taken some classes with him. I'd mentored him some, and he was my soul winning partner. Uh, and then after that, he actually pastored a church in South Carolina for several years. But God had made a glorious change in his life. And then here, as we moved here, and when we moved here in July 1 of 88, uh, we were uh, getting a building prepped and ready, uh, but then also just going out sowing and inviting people to church. And so I was going up Tarpon, get up towards the top of Tarpon there, and we met this family, Tammy Versella, but then her husband Julius, uh, and they're very interested. They lived here for a while, and they didn't have a church, and so they started attending. Uh, Julius got saved shortly after that. It was a real joy, one of the very first ones that we baptized. But a few months after they started attending here, there was a family that moved in right across the street from them, Dick and Marty Heinzelman. Uh, and Tammy was right on their lawn. I mean, they're moving stuff into the house, and she's right there in their driveway. She's inviting them to church. And about every day, every other day or so, she's there inviting them to church, inviting them to church. Finally, they just said, yes, Tammy will come. So they came, and we were in a small storefront. That was a big, big setback for them, or it kind of took them back, if you would, because they were used to fancy church buildings. They moved down from Denver. They were in one of the larger churches there in Denver, and that, and so here they are in the storefront. But the people were really friendly. They enjoyed it. They enjoyed the preaching. So they kept coming back. Now, Marty had been saved before, but Dick 
grew up uh, as a Methodist, very moral man, uh, very good and decent man. In fact, I made this joke many times and I said that I wish that for all of our people, they were as faithful after they got saved as Dick Heinzelman was before he got saved. I mean, that's just how committed he was. And so it was really hard for him to understand that he wasn't saved. I witnessed to him, other people in the church, uh, other men in the church had witnessed to him many times. And he wasn't rebellious in any way at all. He just didn't understand. He didn't see his need of salvation, being born again. It just didn't make sense to him. So one day we were going down on 4th Street or 2nd Street to a feed place, and we bought a large oval uh, uh, watering tank, right? And so we brought it back to church. We are going to use it as a baptistry. While we're driving back to the church in this um, uh, horse trough is in the back of his pickup truck. I turned over to Dick and I said, you're going to get baptized in that horse trough real soon. And he just smiled at me. He didn't say anything. And so we got back to church, unloaded it, and we started using that for baptisms. It was one Wednesday night, craziest thing in the world. I felt great. It was wonderful. And uh, we had the singing and everything. And I stepped up to the pulpit to start to pray. As soon as I stepped up to the pulpit, it hit me. It was crazy. It was like with a, with a vengeance, right? It hit me. It was not bowels of mercy, but it was bowels of vengeance. I mean, it was crazy. It's like, I got to go now, amen? I tried to say I'll endure it and this thing will clear up or whatever. It was not clearing up. So we were in this storefront and it was a small unit. It had one single private bathroom there. But we had the next unit uh, behind that. And I knew this was not going to be good. So I had to shoot out the one door in the next door and actually go to the bathroom on the other side. As I was running down the hall, the craziest thing in the world, and this was just God, but there was a pastor there with a faithful man in his church. They were going to the reservation, but they stopped and they were in our Wednesday service. I'm running down the aisle and I'm saying, you got to preach the message. I'm not going to be back for a moment. You preach the message. And I run up. So here's a guy, first time ever in our church, and we are in preaching time and now he's got to preach. The Bible says be instant in season, amen? And so it is the season and it's time for him to preach. So he stand up, uh, just pastored for many years, very wise, uh, prayed for me and that, and then went forward in a Bible message. Uh, and then I uh, was a while and I stayed in the next room till after the service. After the service, one person after another came and they were rejoicing because Dick Heinzelman got saved in that church, in that service. It's just God. It's just how God works, Amen. Now, for myself, you probably don't know this, most of us don't, but I got saved at camp when I was 12 years old, amen? I did, it was amazing. One of the reasons why we love camp so much, and we've hosted camp for almost all of these years, because I got saved at camp when I was 12 years old. But after that, sometime, I started to drift away from the Lord, and I got far away from God. I moved down to Atlanta with a computer programming job, and I met this pretty little girl who started working at her company after I did. Her name then was Jeannie Scott, and she invited me to church because her mother made her, and she invited me once and again, and, and I didn't mind going because I was enjoying any time that I could spend with her, so I started to go on Sunday morning. I didn't want to get too fanatical and carried away. But as I went one Sunday after another Sunday morning after Sunday another, another Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit of God started to deal with my heart. And one of those Sunday mornings, as the Holy Spirit of God was just tugging at my heart, I knew this is a day that I've got to make a decision. We were standing at the invitation. She looked over one moment I was there. She looked over the next moment I was at the altar. Amen. And a dear faithful deacon dealt with me, and I got right with God. Now, the, the commonality in all these stories is this, is that a faithful God who loves us, loves us too much, <clears throat> for us to not be saved, and he loves us too much as a believer for us to stay far away from him. And so the Holy Spirit of God comes and works in our heart and draws us back unto God again, and we need that in our life. 
brings us to a point where, in a spiritual sense, if you would, it's like a light bulb comes on. We would call it a aha moment, kind of a surprise, but really more so a kind of understanding. Something clicks for us and we understand. We do not naturally understand spiritual things, but God leads in our life and he brings us back to himself again. Now in your bulletin, I want you to fill out the blank words that's there, about six lines or so that has a blank line on it. And I want you to take a moment, if you would, just to fill in that word. It'll help to uh, cause you to remember some things as you go forward. Now, this is an amazing story of the prodigal son, and it's one that's been used of God in people's lives uh, for many, many years. We'll, we'll want to go through and just summarize this for you a little bit. Way too much to cover in any one sermon, but we'll unfold some main truths of it over these five weeks. The father in this is a picture, of course, of our Heavenly Father. And so he's loving and, and careful, uh, caring, and I'm sorry, forgiving in that. And so the father in this story is a picture of our Heavenly Father. And then we see that there are two sons. There's an older son, as it describes for us, and a younger son. And I believe that the two sons specifically are the directions, the two directions that any person in this world could go in. God made us with a free will and we can make choices in our life. We could choose to go in a personal and a growing walk with God or we could choose to go away from God in a self-serving direction in our life. We could choose to turn away from God. And so we see here the two sons uh, and they're a picture then of the two directions that we would go. We understand that the younger son specifically came to his father. His father was very successful and had earned lots of money and had done very, very well in the farming and working in the fields. And so the younger son comes to his dad and he says, Dad, one day we're going to get an inheritance from you. And I thank you for that. But you've got a lot of money and really I don't want to wait until I'm old in order to get the inheritance from you because I can't enjoy it then. So I want my money now. That's what the younger said. And so he came to dad with his hand out and he said, give me the money now. Now it says here that we read that sometime after that, that he took off. But we would believe certainly that this younger son who became the prodigal had intention all along to get the money in his hand and then to take off into the fields of self-pleasure. He was going to go and if it feels good, do it. He was just going to go and live a life of self-pleasure. So as soon as he got the money in his hand, he takes off down this broad way that leadeth to destruction. Now I want to say then that as he went forward, everything seemed to be okay at first. He had lots of money and he was living the high life and he was partying and doing every different sinful thing. He had lots of friends because he was buying these sinful things for others also. I've heard it said before, if you want to find out who your true friends are, find out who sticks around after your money is gone, amen? And so his money ran out as it always does. And so then he's scrapping around and it's hard and what am I going to do? Finally then he takes a job with one of the, the citizens of this foreign land. So they're in a foreign land, a picture of being away from God if you would. And so he takes a job from him. Once he takes the job, his new boss forgot to tell him that your responsibilities are going to be to go out in the field and to feed the swine. Now, if you, I don't know if you fully understand this, but a Jewish person is not supposed to be feeding the swine. The swine is an unclean animal, and they're not to have any part of that at all. But here he is out in this foreign land, and he's out in the field, 
in the pig pen and he's feeding these swine. More than that also, uh, he has no food and he's hungry. No doubt his boss told him he was going to pay him a certain wage and he didn't. <clears throat> so when he takes the food, when he gets the food from his master to give to the swine, he pours it out and he is eating of the very same food also. Listen to this. I, I love that what we see in Hebrews chapter 11 and it tells us about Moses and that he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And it says of Mo Moses that he determined now that he would rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You know that the pleasures of sin don't last very long. We think, oh, it's big money and big grins and, and fun and, and God's holding me back from having fun and God's kind of killing the joy in my life and anything that I think is fun, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's unlawful or not supposed to do it as a Christian and all God's doing is keeping me from all of this fun. But let's take this lesson from the prodigal son. Let's also take this lesson from the testimony of many people that have gone in this path. And that is that the world does not bring ultimate joy and happiness. It appears like it. It's a shiny object that you like to have and you like to hold it. And it's shiny and it's pretty. But it's very deceitful. And, and the world will burn you and the world will take advantage of you. And then it's cast you out. Uh, in, the, in the trash heap. And this is what the prodigal son found out was that the world just simply used him up and threw him aside because the devil didn't really care about him. The world didn't really care about him. The worldly friends didn't really care about him. And he found that out the hard way. And so it tells us here in verse 17 that he came to himself. He goes back to the father and the father with love and mercy and grace receives him back to himself again. We'll unfold this as we go forward more in the five weeks. But I think it's important for us to really grasp and get a hold of some really key truths that we'll see here in, um, in this story of the prodigal son. So write this down if you would, number two. And then at the prodigal son aha moment. That moment when the light bulb come on for him. And that moment where spiritually he understood what he did not understand before. Where God shows him that spiritual truth. Now, there's three blanks in here, and what it doesn't do is it doesn't give you the title. But let me give you the title, okay, for this thing of this aha moment. The title of this specifically is three things that are necessary for your aha moment. Three things that are necessary for your aha moment. Okay, I told you all that, and there it is. Okay, so it's here. It's not on, that's what it is. It's not in your bulletin. Three things that are necessary for your aha moment. So I want you to write all three of these down. In a little bit, I'll change the screen. But I want you to write these down. So there's a sudden awakening. In order for there to really be this prodigal son moment where there's a spiritual light bulb that goes off and where there's this glorious change or transformation that takes place, there must be these things. A sudden awakening where it, it makes sense to you. I want to say that God in his love for you will convict us and will prod us and will pull at us here and pull at us there. But I want to say that many of those different proddings is really to bring us to the point of a sudden awakening. It is not those individual tuggings that's necessarily going to make that change in our life. But God is showing us, I'm there, I love you. I'm there, I care about you. And God is tugging at us. Then there's a brutal honesty, a brutal honesty. 
and then there is an immediate action. And those are important. Let's look at each of those. A sudden awakening. A sudden awakening. We see here again the, the aha moment of the prodigal son. And what happens then is the prodigal son again, he uh, finds himself where he is. He sees again this brutal honesty in his life. And so with it then he makes an immediate action and he begins this journey back again. Now, as we said, a, a sudden awakening in Luke 15, in verse 17, the first part of that, it says that when he came to himself, when he realized what his situation was, and he realized where he was, and he realized that his wrong choices had led to the difficulties and the problems that he had in his life. He realized this, that God was not a bad God, but that God was a good God who genuinely loved him and cared about him. God was not trying to hurt him, but God was trying to help him. Imagine, if you would, that a mama uh, takes her kids then to the zoo. And as they're there in the zoo, they're going around to the different areas. So this morning, I saw Anna and Titus, and they had been to the zoo. And so I asked Titus what his favorite thing, favorite animal at the zoo was. And he said, the penguins, amen? Now, actually, penguins, you know, actually, I love the penguin because on a hot summer day, it is really cold in there, amen? And so he liked the penguins. But imagine if you would, they're going around, you come over to the reptile area there, section, and one of your little rambunctious kids wants to jump inside of the pen with the rattlesnakes, amen? Right? So imagine, he's just excited about it. He loves them. Look how pretty they are. I want to jump inside of this cage with the rattlesnakes. And answer me a question. Is mama a bad mother because she doesn't let him do that? Well, we want free expression for our kids, right? You're keeping him from free expression. I think that it is not a mother that is trying to be a killjoy in his life. I think it's a mother that wants to keep him from getting killed and ending his life. Amen? That's all it is. So let me ask you. When God tries to keep us from hurtful, sinful things in our life, does he do it because he doesn't want us to have any fun? Or does he do it because he really loves us? He really loves us. That's why he does it, right? And this is that realization, that's that awakening that the prodigal son comes to then at this point in his life. There was a brutal honesty. There was a brutal honesty. And the brutal honesty then was a realization of where you are. Now, um, anyone ever been to the mall and you're looking for a certain place in the mall, right? You've been to the mall, you're looking for a certain place. So I try to avoid malls as best I can, and I'm happy to announce that for the last two years I've not been in a mall and not looking for any time soon to go into a mall. But if I go into a mall and I'm looking for something, it's usually one of the eateries, amen? That's what I'm looking for. So what you do is you look for those big, tall panels. And when you go over those panels, it shows you a map, the different levels and all the stores in the mall. Now, what is the first thing that you look for on that big map? That's right. You are here. That's what you're looking for. You are here. Now I want you to understand that as we find ourselves as a prodigal, that one of the very important things to happen in our life is for us to come to grips with this thing, here's where I am. I'm in a foreign land. I'm far away from God. Uh, I'm in a mess and my life is so miserable and I'm not happy whatsoever, but I'm here because of the sinful self-serving choices that I made in my life. That's why I'm here. Now I want to say then that in order for anyone to come to repentance in their life, they first must come to a realization that they are far away from God. 
There's a brutal honesty then that is needed for every one of us. And then there's an immediate action where you act on that and you actually go back. It's not a prodigal son story unless you actually act on that and go back again and return to the father in a right relationship with him. Let's look at this, if we would, real quickly. There's a twofold question here that it asks, and certainly this could fall in either way. So it asks the question, when was, when was your aha moment? Or when is your aha moment going to be? Now the difference is, is that one looks at that time of realizing that we're far away from God and coming back to God, to God again. One looks at that moment as past tense in your life. But the other one, and it's so vitally important, I'm not preaching this this morning just for past experiences in our life. Because the issue is not just the past, the issue is very much the present. And that is that not only have some of us, some of us seen real victory in our life where we turn to God in the past. The story that I told was not primarily about when I got saved at teen camp, but it was primarily a story of when I had got far away from God and God then turned on that spiritual light bulb and I said, this is not right, it's not pleasing to God, I'm not where I need to be, I'm going to turn to God and let God do a work in my life. I'm going to come back to the Father, amen? And so I want to say that there are some of us here that need to make that step, if you would, of coming back to the Father. So write this down here. I'm, I'm not sure if it's uh, blank. I guess it's not. But I want to say praise God. Listen to the statement now. Praise God for the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. Praise God for the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. Listen, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sin. It is the Holy Spirit that draws us back to a holy God again. It is the Holy Spirit <clears throat> that shows us our need for salvation or our need for repentance and to have a right relationship with the Lord. And this is so important because it's the Holy Spirit that does this work in our life. But I want to give you this thought. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 3, God made Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They were perfect and sinless. Eve sinned, Adam sinned, and then God sin came upon the whole world. God put them out of the Garden of Eden. They had, again, two sons, Cain and Abel. But as it went forward from there, sin increased on the earth more and more. So we come to chapter 6. And in verse number 3, here's what it says. Genesis 6, 3. And the Lord said, My spirit, my spirit shall not always strive with men, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. God shortened his days from Methuselah, 969 years, and God, after the flood, then shortened all the way down to a long lifespan. Then at this time was 120 years. God has since shortened that to to 70 to 80 years, as God tells us. But the reason why God shortened it is because man and their sinfulness was sinning more and more and turning further and further away from God. But here's the statement that we hear. Listen to this statement. The Spirit of God will not always strive with man. The Holy Spirit of God will not always convict every person. Now here's a place I do want you to turn to, and that is in Matthew chapter 12. You'll see it there on the screen. So from Luke, and you don't need to hold your place there, but just turn back, if you would, to Matthew in chapter number 12. Matthew chapter 12. And as you turn there, I want us to see this, and this is very important now for us to see. There are some, there's some differences here. There are some disagreements in exactly what this would mean, but I think that some of this could be understandable this way. 
And so this is what I believe, specifically, these two verses are saying. So we're going to start Matthew 12. We're going to start in verse 31. It says, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy, it says, against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Now it's going to drill in a little bit further. Verse 32. Here's what it says. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, this is Jesus, it shall be forgiven him. Now that's a pretty amazing story. If somebody curses against Jesus, if somebody then rejects the Lord Jesus Christ, if somebody then even blasphemes against the Lord Jesus Christ, he's the one who died for our sins and rose again. Only through Jesus Christ can we be saved. But the Bible tells us that any of those things against Jesus Christ, listen to this, can, can be forgiven. But it goes on from there. In verse number 32, and it says, but... Whosoever speaketh the word against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Really quickly, you say, Pastor, what's the difference between that? Here's what I believe the difference is. It is the Holy Spirit of God who convicts us of our sin, who brings us to salvation, and brings us back into a right relationship with God. And without the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, none of us will ever have a right relationship with God. There's not a single person in here that could get saved on your own. The Holy Spirit convicts your heart and draws you unto the Savior. But if you say no, and you say no, and you say no, then the Holy Spirit of God can work a little bit less and a little bit less, such that it can come to the point where the Holy Spirit of God is not striving, is not convicting in your heart anymore. Now, God is love and forgiveness, and God will forgive you. But if you so reject the working and moving of the Holy Spirit of God, then you can never have the conviction of God that will bring you back again. Those stories that I gave at the beginning, every one of them gloriously are to the praise of the convicting work of the Holy Spirit of God. Tommy was underneath his car. We gave Tommy and Teresa the gospel, and both of them got saved. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God convicted their heart. Amen? Dick Heinzelman, good man, right, you know, a good man, a moral man. But he understood that he was a sinner and that only Jesus could save him. Why? Because of the convicting work of the Holy Spirit of God. I got saved and then I got right with God in my life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit convicted me. In both instances, I was standing there at camp and I felt like I was going to like dig my fingernails through the hardwood pew in front of me because I knew I had to be saved. And likewise, I was standing there holding on that pew in front of me when I was far away from God and felt like, again, that I was going to just break that in some way and ran forward to get right with God because of the convicting of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? It's something that is needful and necessary for every person. I want to assure you of this. One, thank God that there is a convicting work of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for that. Two, I want you to convince you of this, and that is that it's possible... And yea, frequent that a saved person, a believer, not a Christian, a Christian is Christ-like, but a believer, born again, saved, 
can get backslidden and get very far from God. There's an oversimplistic theology that some people have. And here's what it says. If you're not living for God, you are not saved, you never were saved. Now, I find that many people, you know, prescribe to that belief system. What's funny is, is that when they get further away from God, they're never willing to admit that they're not saved. Amen? It's just somebody else always who's not saved. But understand this. If, if, for those that are here that have a, ch- a child, if those children are doing right, this is a glorious thing. If your children are doing right, guess what? They're your child. But, you know where I'm going with this. If your child is being very bad and disobedient, guess what? They're still your child because of birth relationship. That's what happens when you get saved. You are born again. There's another place that I want you to see, one, one last place, and that is 2 Peter in chapter number 2. So turn towards the end of your Bible, before the book of Revelation, of course, after Hebrews, before Revelation. I want you to find now, if you would, 2 Peter. 2 Peter, and then I want us to see in chapter number 2, and then in verse number 7, and in verse number 8. So in 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2. Now we're going to talk about Lot. Lot then turned from his uncle Abraham, and he went down to the well-watered plains of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. But Sodom and Gomorrah was wicked, wicked, filthy place down in Sodom and Gomorrah. But that's where they went nonetheless. So in verse number 7, it says this, of God. He said he delivered. He delivered just Lot. That word just means justified. It means declared righteous. It's a statement here then of Lot being saved, if you would. And he delivered just Lot, who had vexed, vexed, his filthy, he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. This is what the prodigal son found himself uh, in the pig pen in the foreign land. That he was vexed. That he was broken hearted and troubled and in anguish. Because everything was going wrong in his life. He was vexed with a filthy conversation. He lived a filthy life. Why? Because he was running with people who had a filthy lifestyle. The filthy conversation of the wicked. Look in verse number 8. For that righteous man. Just Lot, righteous man, for that righteous man dwelling among them in Sodom and Gomorrah and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with with their unlawful deeds. Here's what I want to say to you real quickly. If Lot was saved, in a sense if you would, in the Old Testament, then no doubt it is possible for a saved person to get far away from God. 1 John 1, right? And verse number 9 is that it says, if we confess our sins, talking to believers, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so I want you to understand this. And that is, as we look at that, it's so important, we praise God for the convicting of the Holy Spirit of God. We understand that it's possible for me or for any other believer to get far away from God. So here's the question then, and that is this, if it advances, when will you, when will you turn back to God? Have you done that before? Has it happened in your life? When will you turn back to God? In your your bulletin there, there's a statement written, and I want you to be able to see this there if you would. So this aha moment, this aha moment in your life is not, it is not, turning over a new leaf, or, here's where you pick up, trying self-improvement techniques. But it is realizing where you are and turning to God is your, if you're reading it, what does it say there? Your only hope. 
How much, what, what now? What hope? Only hope. Listen to me now. You cannot get yourself right with God. You cannot get yourself saved. You cannot get yourself right with God. But you must yield to the convicting and the moving of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. You must then come to that point where you realize, I'm wrong and God is right. And look at the goodness and the blessing of God. And I must then allow God to work in my life. I must come back to God. You say, preacher, this just doesn't even relate to us. We're here in church. Listen to me now. In any normal situation, it absolutely is true for many people. But I want to promise you as we come through COVID and that, there are many people in this room, you know full well, that you are not as close to God as you were before. I said it. I said it. You're not as close to God as you were before. Now, there's some in here that are closer to God than you were before. And for some of you, you can look back in your life and say, there was this aha moment in my life when God showed me that I was wrong in a wrong place and I turned to God and God did a great work in my life. But as we come to this point, I'm not just preaching a message for my or your distant past. I am preaching the message for our present. And God is working with people even right now. And so there's a verse that I want us to read. And you'll see it there on the screen. It's Hebrews 5 and verse number 3 and verse number 15. My dyslexia is kicking in there. So it's Hebrews 3 and verse number 15. I want us to read it aloud together. And I want there to be a roar in the room. I want you to read aloud. Ready? While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. The provocation was when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. That God had supernaturally delivered them from Pharaoh in Egypt. He had supernaturally brought them across the Red Sea. And all they did was complain, complain against God. And they were hardening their heart against God. And they were not hearing the, smil, the still small voice of God. The convicting and the working of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this if I can, just so lovingly. But the Holy Spirit of God is tugging at your hearts. And there are some that say, you know what? I'm not as close to God as I used to be. And that is must change in my life. I can't change it myself. But God in his goodness can make this glorious change in my life. If I will, as the prodigal son, come to myself. And will then in turn turn and come back to God. God will make that change in my life. There are people all over that need to come and pray and say, God, today, uh, not next week, not next month. But today needs to be that day of a turning point or a changing point in my life. Some of you, you feel like that's not where I am, but there has been a glorious change in your life. Listen to me now. And if God had not turned your course months ago or years ago, your life would be in the pig pens today. If God had not turned you around. And I want to say there's some here that's not saved. God is not even your heavenly father. You're not born again. You're not saved. And today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Hi, this is Brent Lenentine. And before we go, I want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. It is our prayer that today's message has encouraged and helped you. If you have any questions about how to be saved, 
or your Christian walk, we would love to connect with you. Please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. If you live in the greater Albuquerque area and don't have a church home, we hope that you'll visit with us soon at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Rio Rancho. And if you do have a church home, then I pray that you are able to attend there. Every person needs to be faithful and accountable in a local church where they can grow and serve. This podcast is a supplement to your spiritual growth and let it encourage you to be more for Christ. Again, our website is gospellightbaptist.org. Thank you for listening and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in today. If you are listening for the first time, we believe the most important decision you could ever make is the decision to know Jesus in a personal way. To find out more about that, please visit gospellightbaptist.org slash Jesus. If you are a regular listener, we want to thank you for your time, and we would ask that you subscribe to this podcast, and also take a moment to share it with others on social media. Until next time, may God richly bless you.